Good morning, River Tree. It's 183 days until Christmas. So I wanted to have a present for you all. Are you ready? It's really cool. It's a thesaurus. Super exciting, right? Unfortunately, I left it at home. But it's the thought that counts, right? Anyway, as I was wrapping this fine book, a page opened and I happened to look and see the word arrogance. There are a lot of synonyms for arrogance, including conceit, self-importance, superiority, smug, haughty, boastful, proud, overbearing, high and mighty, big-headed. I could keep going, but I think you get the idea. But it was the antonym that really stuck out to me. Humility. And when you think about it, humility is at the heart of Christmas. Christmas is the display of Christ's humility. I love how Paul explains these truths in Philippians 2, 6-8. He says, Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. Think about that. Isn't it remarkable that the eternal God, Jesus Christ, humbly became human, came to earth, and died on behalf of God's people to forgive their sins and bring redemption. So, the question I want to ask you today is how did Jesus display his humility? In what ways was he humble? I think by walking through these verses, we'll see the primary ways. We first see Jesus' humility in temporarily leaving his exalted status in heaven to come to earth. The text says that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Pause. There are a few words and phrases that require some clarification. Let's start with the phrase form of God. What does that mean? Basically, the form of God means that Jesus is God, that Jesus is fully divine. Jesus' existence didn't start in Bethlehem in a manger. He has eternally, for all of time, been God. He is equal with God. He is the second person in the Godhead, the Trinity. He has all of God's attributes, his characteristics. He is fully God. Okay, the other phrase we need to look at is that Jesus didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Well, we just established that Jesus is equal with God. Jesus didn't have to work hard to achieve equality with God because that was something he already possessed. So what does it mean that equality was not a thing to be grasped? The word grasp here means having an intense, strong hold of something so that you never let go. 
We have to be careful here. And remember that Jesus never let go of his deity. He never stopped being God. Not for one second. So this phrase seems to suggest that Jesus' love for his people meant that he was willing to temporarily let go of his exalted heavenly status, temporarily leave his heavenly home, and come to earth in humility. He chose to enter time and space and the created world to bring salvation. He was willing to make the greatest sacrifice ever. Now, let's look at the tricky phrase, emptied himself. Again, we know that Jesus never stopped being God, and that he never lost equality with God. So what does emptied mean? Well, in this passage, it seems like Paul goes to great lengths to express that Jesus had everything. He is the king of the universe, with all power and majesty and glory. He could have stayed in heaven, but he didn't stay. He came to earth to save us. So emptying seems to express the idea that Jesus became human and experienced human limitation and weakness. He emptied himself into a life of humble servanthood. He made himself nothing important. No one saw him as a significant person. He emptied himself for a manger not fit for a king. He emptied himself for a cross he didn't deserve. So the words, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, really show us that Jesus, fully God, fully humbled himself for his chosen people fully providing the ultimate example of true humility. Of course, Jesus' humility didn't end at the manger. So let's look at another way we see Jesus manifest humility. He shows humility in the way he lived his whole life, even to the point of death. The text continues by saying, He took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There is a lot going on here. So let's start with the beginning. Not only did he come to this earth in a humble, unexpected way, Jesus grew up the son of a poor family. Even as an adult in his ministry, he was often poor and without a place to stay. He humbly served his whole life. He constantly cared for the needs of others. He wasn't arrogant or haughty or boastful. He did something we can never do. He lived in perfect righteousness, perfect servanthood, and perfect obedience. He was our perfect representative in his life. But his humble obedience was not seen just in his life. His humility continued to his death. The text says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. Notice the emphasis. He didn't just die. He died on a cross. Though he never sinned, he died the humiliating, shameful, public death of a criminal. But I believe Paul emphasizes death on the cross for another reason as well. The cross, as horrible as it was, was God's way of bringing salvation. On the cross, Jesus paid the full price for all the sins of all of God's chosen people. Through his sacrifice, Jesus made a way for sinners to be forgiven and for God's wrath and justice against sin to be satisfied. The cross shows God's righteousness so that he is both just and the justifier for people who have faith in Jesus. Jesus was our perfect representative in his death. It's only because of Jesus' humble sacrifice that we are saved. Birth in a manger. Life of servanthood. Death on a cross. Jesus did everything in humble obedience to God. Because of this truth, what should our response be? I can think of several things. One, this passage tells us something important about how we should live our daily lives. At Christmas time, we often hear about people having the Christmas spirit. You know, everyone's a little more kind and generous. But that shouldn't be just a one-time-a-year thing. It's an all-year-round thing. Being humble, kind, generous, caring about others' needs, loving others, and putting others first. Living life in humility is not seasonal. Paul actually talks about this right before describing Jesus' example of humility. Right before our text, in verses 3 through 5, Paul says to believers, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul wrote about Jesus' example to encourage believers to fight against selfishness and arrogance and to pursue humility and value others. Jesus is the perfect picture of love and humility in action, despite the fact that his culture didn't value humility. And let's be honest, neither does ours. We live in a culture that doesn't see the importance of humility. Our society says, put yourself first. After all, if you don't look out for yourself, who will? But God calls us to be countercultural. God calls us to live in humility. God calls us to value others. God calls us not to be self-serving. So as believers, we need to remember to follow Jesus' example and live in humility every single day. This passage also gives us an important reminder. We can't just celebrate Jesus' birth once a year. 
Jesus's birth is so vital in God's story of redemption. This was God's perfect plan from all eternity. Without the manger, there is no cross. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus had to be born. All other redemptive acts of Jesus come from this necessary reality. Jesus had to come to earth and live a perfect life that we could never live. He had to die in our place and be our substitute. Jesus had to come to this broken earth, fully God and fully man, to bring redemption. Jesus had to be a baby in a manger. So we need to celebrate the fullness of God's redemptive story all year long. We shouldn't celebrate Jesus' birth just at Christmas, or only celebrate the cross and resurrection on Easter. We need to praise Jesus every day for all that he has done to bring us salvation. He is the one and only Lord. He is the one and only Savior. There is no salvation in anyone else. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. We'll never be good enough or do enough good things. In our sin, we'll never even want God or turn to God or love God apart from his divine intervention. Our salvation is only through God working in our hearts to bring regeneration, that is, new life and God causing us to respond in faith to Jesus, where we trust in his sacrifice on our behalf. So our God, our Savior, is worthy of our worship at every moment for all that he has done for our redemption. One more thing we need to remember is Jesus's complete lordship and authority over all things in the universe. In his humility, he never lost his lordship. Jesus has always been lord over all things, the ruler of absolutely everything, even as a tiny baby in a manger. Even in his life in humility, he always had, always has, and always will have all authority over the universe. Paul actually links Jesus' humility and lordship together. After Paul talks about Jesus' humility in verses 6 through 8, he emphasizes Jesus' lordship in verses 9 through 11, when he explains that because of Jesus' humble sacrifice, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' humble death on the cross was not the end of the story. Jesus defeated death, sin, Satan, rose from the grave, and reigns as the victorious king gloriously exalted in heaven. He completely reigns as the exalted Lord over heaven, earth, and hell. He is Lord over every life, every situation, 
whether we acknowledge it or not. This gives us hope in the present moment. But there's an even bigger future application of this truth. One day, when Jesus comes again, every being in the universe will acknowledge and declare that Jesus is the sovereign Lord. Every knee will bow to the one who has all power and authority. Isn't this a glorious image? Evil, pain, sadness, death are forever gone. All the unsaved and all of God's enemies will begrudgingly admit his lordship. But God's saved children will joyfully acknowledge and celebrate their Savior who has conquered evil. So let's live in that hope. No matter what tomorrow brings, we know our Savior has won the ultimate victory. And as believers, we have an eternal, glorious future with Him in heaven. So, we may be only halfway to Christmas. Halfway to December 25th. But we have every reason to rejoice and adore our Savior, who humbly gave us the greatest gift ever. He humbly came to earth, was born in a manger, died on a cross, and rose again to secure your salvation. This is a reason we can worship every day. Let's pray.